0: Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together.
1: to the Grounded in Truth podcast with me, Janet Dennison. We are looking at final words of instruction in our most recent study titled, Until the Whole World Hears. This study is a collection of final lessons or messages from Christ and other biblical heroes. Their words are profoundly important because they are among the last words authored for people they loved. This study will remind you to use your life and influence to help others receive the gospel message of Christ. I'm excited to teach these lessons and pray that God will use them to strengthen and inspire you to live your earthly life with God's eternal priorities. Let's get started with this week's lesson. Welcome to the study of Micah chapters 2 and 3. A lot of people in our culture today are talking about Christian intolerance, that we don't tolerate people who think differently or believe that what they think is correct. There's a phrase that is traveling and very popular these days called personal truth. I actually hate that phrase. Why is that? That is a euphemism to make an opinion sound like it ought to have more value. Personal truth is simply an opinion. Truth is something that rises above opinion, and it is true regardless of how people feel about it. I've often said people want to believe in personal truth until the cashier hands them back change for a 10 instead of a 20 then all of a sudden we want truth to matter. So it is so important as we look at chapters 2 and 3 of Micah that we remember that in order to teach the truth about God, we have to teach some aspects about God that may not be the most popular information, that may not be what people most want to hear. And yet that's one of the great themes of the book of Micah, is that God is a perfect father, and a perfect father disciplines those he loves. And so, as a reminder before we get into that, remember that the nation of Israel had at this point in their history compromised with neighboring countries in order to make financial deals with them. They had brought false worship into their nation in order to get along with their neighbors. Some had achieved great wealth. Many others had achieved no wealth at all. And for those with wealth, they were often using others to gain even more, and they felt justified in that. There was in the nation of Israel a growing apathy toward God and their need of God. God had become someone they continued to worship on Saturdays. It was the Sabbath. They would go to the temple. They would make the necessary sacrifices. They would pay their dues. They would give their offerings. And then they would leave there and go about their lives as if nothing with God should impact that. The spiritual leadership was wanting to be popular, was wanting to uh, impress those that came to hear them, and they were preaching what the people wanted to hear, and it wasn't the full truth of God. It wasn't bringing about change in their life. But Micah, the prophet, knew God. He knew the full character of God, and he knew that God would never tolerate being misrepresented to the world. In fact, one year I taught a series of lessons out of the minor prophet. And at the end of that teaching time, I came to a very solid belief based on scripture that the one most important thing we need to know about God is that he will not allow himself and his truth to be misrepresented to others. From the Garden of Eden until today, God has had one significant goal, and that is to bring as many people into a faith relationship with him as their father as he possibly could. And that's why what happened to the nation Israel happened. So chapters 1 and 2 contain the first oracle that Micah had received. In chapter 3, we'll look at the beginning of the second oracle that Micah received. But before we get into the passage, I need you to think and remember again who the nation of Israel was in the world. Why did God establish a covenant relationship with a people and give them a promised land? Why did God make that his covenant with people? Remember, the land had belonged to pagan worship. And God called a people out of Egypt, saved them, led them, provided for them, all the while promising that one day they would dwell in a land flowing with milk and honey. We also know that those people, because of their sin, didn't get to enter. Only a few of them did. Not even Moses was able to enter the Holy Land. But Joshua did lead the people into this land, and there was one miracle after another, from the fall of Jericho to Gideon, And all of that happened, all of this coming of the kings. This land was divided into family members, each family gaining a piece of the land. And God had said, If you will dwell in this land and if you will be my people, I will bless you. You'll never be hungry. I'll protect you from your enemies. This will be the promised land. But the people didn't hold up their end of the covenant. It didn't take very long before they allowed sin to creep back in to this. In fact, from the very beginning, they had not run off all of the pagan practices and all of the people who wanted to worship false gods. And so these words that I'm about to read describe God's judgment on a people who were supposed to be his people, who were supposed to represent him to the world so that people could look at this land and their blessings and this people and know that they wanted to trust in their God. And so as we look at the nation of Israel, Let's not see a nation that's singular. Let's think of the nation Israel as the nation of God's people. And when God's people stop representing God accurately to the world, he must step in and stop the message, stop the misrepresentation of him to the world. And so chapter 2 begins, Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. It begins with a woe, a message from God saying, I cannot tolerate this. Woe to people who plan to do wrong, who plot how they will do evil, When they're lying in their beds, it wasn't just that Israel fell into mistakes or wrong behavior. It's that some in Israel were planning on doing evil, planning on harming others. Scripture goes on to say, at morning's light, they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. All of us have sinned in this way. We have planned and plotted how we might get ahead, even if it costs someone else something. From the very beginning of Scripture, from the 8th century B.C., hear God say, I will not tolerate that. How did they do it? What was the evil that the nation was planning? says they covet fields and seize them and houses and take them. They defraud people of their homes. They rob them of their inheritance. Therefore, the Lord says, I'm planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. You will no longer walk proudly, for it will be a time of calamity. God has said through his prophet, I'm done putting up with you, mistreating and using other people for your advantage. You're supposed to represent me to the world, and that is not who I am. And as a result, this blessing of land, this blessing of covenant relationship with God will be removed and that people will no longer walk proudly. There's a hint in there as to why God would allow and even call for the end of a nation of people that would be his own. Verse four, in that day, people will ridicule you. They will taunt you with this mournful song We are utterly ruined. My people's possession is divided up. He takes it from me. He assigns our fields to traders. They were proud they had a land. They were proud they were God's people. They were proud that they were somehow a great nation protected by the one God. And you know God had made them a superior people. Look at the nation of Israel and all they have accomplished. The genetics of the Jewish race are amazing. They are a brilliant, smart, ambitious people. But the same thing that God intended to be their blessing would also ultimately become their downfall because they stopped remembering that they were superior because they were blessed and were settled into this mindset that they were just superior and that misrepresents who God had made them to be. The land had been their blessing and now God would remove that blessing in order to remove their sense of superiority. In addition to the arrogance that God wanted to speak out against through Micah, He also wanted to speak to those who were most called to give his word to the people, to guide them and keep them spiritually strong. Because he talks then about how the prophets were reacting to Micah's message. What did the prophets say when Micah said destruction is coming? Verse 6 says, this is what they spoke. Do not prophesy. Their prophets say, do not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. You descendants of Jacob, should it be said, does the Lord become impatient? Does he do such a thing? I think that's one of the most important messages from the book of Micah for Christians today. It's very difficult to get people to want to study a book like Micah. But it's absolute biblical truth. It's much more fun to select verses that say what we want to hear. There are a lot of sermons that talk about the grace and the compassion and the love of God. And those are good sermons. It's so true. The Bible says God is love. But we can never fully help people understand who God is unless we also teach them that God is also a God of wrath and judgment. God will stand up against anything that hinders people from knowing who he is. He will stand up from any partial truth that makes people feel good about their lives or good about things in their life that they shouldn't feel good about. He always wants us to live as purely as we can, as holy as we can. Remember so many times in the Old Testament, God would say through his preachers, be holy because I'm holy. Is that the message that our churches are filled with today? Or have we slipped into some of the same weaknesses that happened to the nation of Israel? The next verse is one of the most important in the book of Micah because God says, Do not my words do good. To the one whose ways are upright. God's word isn't always easy to hear if we're doing wrong. God's word stomps on our toes sometimes, but that's because God wants us to raise our standards. God wants us to be a holy people. God wants our lives to cause other people to know him. God's blessings are promised and realized by the upright. And it's not easy to want to hear God's truth unless you also want to live it. Micah said, Lately, my people have risen up like an enemy. You strip off the rich robe from the one who's passed by without a care, like men returning from battle. You drive the women of my people from their pleasant homes. You take away my blessing from their children forever. This is a picture of what will happen to these people. The people have risen up and they're like an enemy. They take things that don't belong to them. When it says they drive women of God's people from their homes, he's probably referring to the widows. Women owned no property. Therefore, if a woman's husband died, her home became something someone else could have. And God says through the prophet, you're taking away my blessings from your children. You're misrepresenting me in such a way that your children will not have this land of blessing. And so he says, get up, go away, for this is not your resting place because it is defiled. It is ruined beyond all remedy. If a liar and deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, that would be just the prophet for this people. He is saying, you want to hear what you want to hear, but a true prophet will always tell you what you need to hear. And then after he has spoken of the judgment that will come to pass on that nation of Israel, he makes a promise to those who are faithful. The great glory of God's word is that even though God's people, those who walk with God, often suffer the same things in this world that the people who don't walk with God suffer. Even though that's true, God's people never suffer without God's hope. And so in verse 12, The prophet says, I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. God says to his people, to those who are true believers, don't worry, I will gather you to me. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in the pasture. The place will throng with people. This is a poetic picture of a have a very full pen of sheep and all of the cacophony of noise that there is with that. The prophet says, I'll gather you, there will be a lot of you, and there will be a joyful noise that comes from that place. And then he says, the one who breaks open the way will go up before them. And there is a picture that Micah introduced here. He says, the one. It is through Micah a message to the remnant that God is going to bring a new covenant relationship with them, a new one who will break open their way and will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Micah has pictured a throng of people who are gathered together and they're like sheep in a pen, but while they will feel that way as they are gathered and enslaved and taken to Assyria, there is also a promise to those people that one will come and lead them out, that God is going to send them back home. There's also a promise to God's people today because we know who the one is that came to lead us out. And so the king will pass before them, the Lord at their head. There will be a king again and he will deliver the faithful. And then chapter three begins the beginning of the second oracle. And this is an oracle where the leadership of the nation. Those who were supposed to guide and direct them are rebuked because they are falsely directing, falsely leading, falsely exhibiting the character of God. And Micah says to them, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace justice? You hate good and love evil. You tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones. Who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. Their wrong leadership is going to cost the nation of Israel their lives their blessings while the wealthy get fat off the poor the weak will suffer and this is what the lord says as for the prophets these are the people who were supposed to lead israel spiritually but it says as for the prophets who lead my people astray they proclaim peace if they have something to eat but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. What do those words mean? That the prophets were saying what people wanted to hear, even if it led them away from God's truth, just so that they could earn food. Remember, people brought food offerings to the spiritual leaders. And they were fine with saying whatever somebody wanted to hear if it meant they were going to get their food. Priests lived off the offerings, and this is their judgment, according to Micah. Therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. The greatest judgment any of us can ever experience is that God separates himself from our lives. What we see in those verses is that without truth, spiritual leadership is powerless. Without God's message, without his words for the people, they can't help them. They can't lead them. And so the true prophet's message is this, and this is where Micah steps in. He says, here's how you recognize a true prophet. But as for me, Micah says, Here's why I can teach this. He says, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might. For what purpose? To declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. Why is Micah able to know God's truth when all of these false prophets or prophets that have given up on God cannot It's because God fills people who will tell the truth with his power, with his Holy Spirit. And their words then can be just and powerful for the purpose of helping people to know what is wrong in their life so that they can return to God. A true message, a true prophetic message should always turn people back to a right relationship with God. So he says, hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel who despise justice and distort all that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for a price. And her prophets tell fortunes for money. They're not in it for God's good. They're in it for their own. And he goes on to say, Yet they look for the Lord's support and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. And therefore, Micah says, Because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill, a mound, overgrown with thickets. Micah knew what was going to happen to the nation of Israel. And what he said would happen came to pass because a true prophet knows what God will do in order to bring people back to himself. The whole nation would be plowed under and would never exist in the same way ever again. Even the amazing temple that King Solomon had built in all of its glory would simply become a mound of rubble. And the temple would never again look like that. How do you tell a true prophet? Because what he says comes to pass. And so I close this hard lesson about God's truth and about how to know God's truth and notice God's truth in the world. With two people, I think, spoke God's truth. Jonathan Edwards was a powerful preacher of the awakening. And he said this, I go out to preach with two propositions in mind. First, every person ought to give his life to Christ. Second, Whether or not anyone else gives him his life, I will give him mine, St. Francis de Sales said. The test of a preacher is that his congregation goes away saying not, what a lovely sermon, but I will do something. And so I ask you that as we close this lesson. Do these words just sound interesting or maybe something that you've never really studied before? Or as we looked at these passages, did you know that this truth was preserved for us in Scripture because human nature repeats itself? Human mistakes repeat themselves. And as you look at our Christian culture today, which parts of this message Would God speak again through Micah to all of us? Don't just hear those words. Close your computer and go away different. I pray that for all of us. See you next time.
0: If you're enjoying this study, we know you'll be strengthened and encouraged by our other studies at Foundations. We provide a variety of Bible studies, from in-depth studies like Until the Whole World Hears, to shorter studies like In Step with the Spirit. Most of our studies include digital teaching from Janet, along with downloadable resources like reflection questions, commentary, and even teaching guides. Whether you're a seasoned student of the Bible or new to studying scripture, we have a Bible study that can help you grow in your knowledge of God's Word. To browse through our other free Bible studies, Click the link in our show notes or visit foundationsbiblestudies.org. See you there.